second, I'll ask our first lady to get ready, and maybe we'll do a countdown from 10. So we'll go 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Well, JMA loves waiting. Great. Have a good time tonight. College funding. Then he buys himself a ticket and takes a flight. Kind of like Japan with Jim and them. Just a different land. Cause here at KSP. started this 2008 experiment i didn't realize this was the perfect year for wrestling i love the roster i love every match there was one segment on this royal rumble i almost hated it started with a kiss cam but it ended with santino and it could end with santina and i would have been just as happy vleeties royal rumble 2008 this was the best <laughs> Rewatching it it was a great show i can't deny it i i was into it even the first match when rick flair's coming out i'm like as you can see behind me what like why is this the opening match and then you kind of remember oh yeah every match is career threatening and him and mvp had a pretty damn good match even though i stand by what i said last week i think or two weeks ago mvp didn't give a fuck he just had this expression on his face that even though he's wrestling a match he was in slow motion and so was his career Vladies, this was the beginning of the hd era for wwe that's what jerry lawless said at one point how did that <laughs> not catch on how did we call it the pg era god we fucked up we looked at the wrong logo the wrong letters Vladies. but where were you in 2008 because i missed this at this time for me it was the first full year of a little project called war and i was way too extreme for wrestling ecw was gone last thing i remembered was wwe cw and i was too extreme for the business so i stepped out i didn't realize how much greatness i was missing this time was I, I certainly was a big fan during this time i even remember impact during this I, I watched a lot of tna i was starred for wrestling at this point so i definitely was in it i was you know i i had probably just started my senior year and uh oh gosh what year with it like it just looking at how it was in school i was a junior i guess so i was still not yet too cool for wrestling so this was a huge pay-per-view for me uh royal rumble's always around my birthday uh, even looking at the date on this one, should have looked at it before and two days after my birthday. So it was always kind of like the, what are we doing for your birthday weekend? Well, obviously we're watching the Royal Rumble. And I had a lot of just memories of this. I remember loving 
Randy Orton at this time, even though he was such a douche bad guy. Uh, I liked Randy Orton. I liked Stand Up for Rock and Roll by Airborne. Sometimes I hear these pay-per-view theme songs, and it really has shaped a lot of my music taste throughout my life. So, yeah, where was I? I was at Royal Rumble, man. I wasn't in New York, but I was in it. You know what I mean? Oh, ladies, Randy Orton was at this beautiful phase between being a nothing you can say and a viper, a legend killer, and a snake of some kind. The RKOs were still out of nowhere. This might have been the beginning of that, but we'll talk about that when we get to that match, ladies. I want to skip right to Jericho JBL, though, because Jericho, to see where he started the year after for Unforgiven, which is what we talked about last week. Right. Oh, my God. All right. Sorry, please. We'll get to that, too. Let's begin with the first match. You already mentioned it. Ric Flair versus MVP. And, and, and this was such a great start because I, even though I wasn't into wrestling at the time, who doesn't know this Ric Flair storyline? The greatest retirement storyline possible. And, of course, he went on to wrestle in TNA with the shirt on. Like everyone seems to do when they've ruined the best possible retirement. But this was when uh, uh, Ric Flair... If he lost a match, he was done. Every match was a career match. And this was great against the U.S. champion, MVP. We had every reason to believe he might lose. Well, I wasn't watching at the time. Probably not. But I love the match. I love the storyline. Very suspenseful. The foot on the bottom rope finish where we thought Ric Flair was over because we heard three. His foot was on the rope. Oh, ladies, what would you think of this match? Well, and it was also cool to see a clean victory with that figure four because mm. for some reason as a wrestling fan, with heel Ric Flair, you're so ready for everyone to get the rope or turn it over. Like Flair always wins with like a poke, poke to the eye and a roll up. Like I think even on SmackDown, here comes the pain or SmackDown versus Raw. Whenever I played as Ric Flair, it was always a roll up that won me all my matches because <laughs> I wasn't making everyone tap out with this figure four. Normally they would pop up, but their legs were still red. You know, on the video games, but it shows which body parts red. So their legs would be all fucked up, but I'd still roll them up and get the easy three count. And this match was great. I, hindsight, it is almost funny to think at this time, yes, I really believed, holy shit, MVP might end Ric Flair's career. But watching it now, hindsight, everything we know, it's kind of funny that it would be MVP that they put in this spot. And, and I don't know why. I guess at the time I was just dumb wrestling fan not really thinking about it. It was so obvious this thing had to go to WrestleMania. So – uh, and of course, back then, you don't go, well, save the good stuff for WrestleMania. It's not like wrestling is now where we have all these big shows. We're saving it for that. Uh, even though Shawn Michael, you know, it's just so I was a little surprised that it was MVP in this role. Because looking back, MVP isn't, I guess, was he a main player? I guess I really never looked at him like that. Oh, he, well, it's strange. I never accepted him at the time, but he was, and it bugged me. Because every time I would check into wrestling, he was winning too much. And if you hear his <laughs> art of wrestling, Vlades, uh, you'll hear that he robbed a fucking cruise ship once and went to prison or something. I think that was his uh, art of wrestling from years ago. And that might have been Daniel Bryan's. But I'm going to assume it was MVP's. But it's like WWE didn't know that story and then heard it, and then he just lost for 15 straight weeks and then left, I remember. Like, his story is very interesting where he was a major player, at least in that U.S. title realm, which, Vlades, I always thought was above the IC title. This was my hierarchy of titles. Very bottom, European. Then we're moving on up. If you have a TV title, that's below. It's like right, it's right above the European, below the IC. Then you have your IC. Then the U.S. titles right above that. Then your world titles. I always thought because WCW had two mid-card belts, one of them had to mean more than the IC title, right? Well, and the U.S. championship in WCW was sort of a world championship because it's like 
the main main belt is going to go to one of the old guys. It's always with Kevin Nash. It's with Ric Flair. It's with Hogan. Those guys are going to be winning that championship. Meanwhile, we're going to have Jeff Jarrett, Booker T, hold it down to this U.S. title until like mid-2000, when like June 2000, when uh, Hogan walks out. Russo's like, you know what? Random-ass title match. Jarrett, Booker T, we're changing WCW forever. And for the next nine months, I probably watched the whole thing loving it. So that U.S. championship was kind of the main title. It just felt like that world championship was, in the way you used to describe it, a mishmash of gold. No one really, it didn't feel like the world title that everybody coveted and was fighting for, like the WWF championship. So that U.S. title did have some prestige. So, And then once it got to WWE, of course, the kid me loved the design. That U.S. championship was fucking beautiful. Like, I really thought, like, that was the championship that we all, like, talked about getting, and we wanted that. So, and at that at this time, I guess with the spinner belt and everything, we weren't super jazzed on the WWE championship either. So this U.S. title always looks great. But, yeah, when you're talking IC versus U.S. championship in 2008, they both could have not even been there. I was about to bring up that spinner U.S. title. Don't spoil <laughs> when that comes, Vladis, because I haven't seen 08 yet. I hope it's in this year. It's way before <laughs> that, obviously. But, God, I hope by the time No Mercy 08, we got something spinning i want to see a couple spinning belts at once but ladies you brought up nine months a second ago don't say that that's when my son jack will be here and my the mother of my baby is in australia and i can't get to her and you brought up your birthday month this is her birthday month right now ladies so please you're making too many references to the love of my life being a 15 hour flight away from me and i can't handle it right now i dude i didn't mean to do any of that i apologize um if i could steer you away from that this is chris jericho he's in the band fozzy they're going to be in Adelaide. No, in oh, I, I should have said that. That's what I was going to say. They're going to be in Adelaide on the 13th. Think I don't know that? Oh, Vladis. Think I don't know that? But Jericho is coming out. And what a fucking matching storyline this is. 2008, baby. Even The Miz came out in the Royal Rumble and looked great. And I know The Miz looked great at Unforgiven 08, but I still didn't know if he really did or not. That might have been a fluke. Apparently, even with shorts, he was amazing. And Fleeties, I gave up on MVP at the time. I hated Miz at the time. I hated JBL even at the time. Let me just look at the list of people here. I, the only guy I liked at the time was Mike Adamley. Everyone else I hated. I hated Mr. Kennedy at the time. But when you go Go back and look at all these wrestlers in context now when you know what they've gone on to become or didn't become in John Morrison's case. That's always interesting. Right. Uh, it's great to know the context of the career when you're watching because in 2008, these guys are boring and they're going nowhere and wrestling used to be good and blah, blah, blah. We were so close to the Attitude Era. They could have done anything and I wouldn't have liked it. But now... It seems like with 10 years separated, they can do anything, and I'll love it. God, and Jericho versus JBL. This, like I was just saying, was like a flip for Jericho. We watched Unforgiven 2008 a couple weeks ago to start this process, and at that time, he was beating up Shawn Michaels' wife, coming after his family. So evil, so despicable. What's happening here, Vladis? JBL's evil and despicable. Going after Jericho's, like, family, and Jericho's the good guy. I love how in this one year... And Jericho's even a guy I dismissed at the time. When he came back with short hair, Vladis, I'm like, oh, man, he used to be good. Wrestling used to be good. Blah, blah, blah. Fozzie sucks. Now I love this Jericho watching it looking back. Vladis, uh, in a week like this, when Shawn Michaels comes out of retirement to wrestle for terrorists and for WWE Crown Jewel <laughs> and gets knocked off my top five of all time, I think it's time Jericho comes up to number one. And watching Royal Rumble 2008 in this match solidifies that. 
And this was kind of the, it is fun to go back and watch this match. at just after watching the September pay-per-view because even with tights, it was like short hair Jericho and tights don't work. Like it just didn't work for me here. And I was kind of wishing like, where's his undies? Get his undies on there. And yeah, like like you said, a whole year. I mean, a lot changed. He even mentions in his books. Wait, I got to cut you off. Short, short hair with long pants was perfect. And honestly, can we just meet the middle of ladies and agree leather pants with short hair is the answer? Yeah, he should have kept leather pants. I like when he would wrestle impromptu in his rock and roll clothes. But I, I really, like, even in his book, he kind of talks about he just felt like he came back and was just doing the same Y2J. Like, he went from kind of mid-card when he left. I mean, he made event with Cena on his way out. But then he just sort of fell back into, what am I actually doing here? Doing another money in the bank, just kind of going through the motions again. Then when he reinvents himself in this 2008, it's incredible. And this match uh, sort of shows just... To me, at least, it goes, yeah, because maybe because I did read his books. It was, oh, man, he was kind of just, there was this big hype about him coming back to work with Randy, and he's back, you know, the second coming. But here we are, you know, what, two months after that return, and he's kind of just fighting JBL, who was an announcer for the past two years. It's so interesting then to even more so to know what September brings in this year and where this character goes because he takes drastic changes and becomes what the Miz wanted to rip off a few years later. Remember when Miz became a wannabe ladies and then Jericho became the worst and made a shirt with a B on it. So I would stop complaining about this Jericho, start complaining about the wannabe era Jericho. When are we going to watch that year again? Yeah, well, like... Is this going to be, yeah, we're going to just cover every year that Chris Jericho makes a big comeback. That'll be our big thing. We'll look into the uh, the 2012, whenever that weird sound was playing, and him and the little boy and the bouncy ball. And Hopefully for some reason, him. Jericho comes back, and nothing is ever referenced again about that video. He punted him again! Sorry, I'm watching the match on your screen. <laughs> he did two punts. He stole Orton's move. You're right. He is going to work with Randy. Can't wait. Randy's the legend killer. He's going to take him out. So take I just, him out. Did, did Orton do any legend killing on him going into this, ladies? Yeah, there was sort of just a legend squashing. Like they they wrestled at Armageddon, and that's where JBL got involved and cost Jericho the match, and Randy kind of got an underhanded victory. So it, that's where it just like J, this feud kind of came from Jericho getting you know he got shoved into JBL, and it it caused this. Oh. So. He gets yeah. shoved into JBL, then JBL's making fun of his wife. I, 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 that's so JBL, that's so me. We always go there. Joe Cronin, your wife's ugly. Come fight me at Royal Rumble. I can't get anyone to fight me, but if it happens, I'll be as stiff as JBL. I love this match. I love watching a punch from JBL, a kick. He was doing regular clotheslines, and they were from hell. Trust me. So watch this match, for ladies. Four and three-quarter starts for me. And it ends with Jericho going too far. Because when you cross a man's family... Does Jericho even have a family? When he crossed the man's family, I think he made fun of Fosse. Uh, when you do that, Jericho grabs a chair and makes you bleed or something. Gets disqualified, but in the end, he's satisfied because he got a taste of blood. So we even got to see that wild side of Jericho, that heel side that came out later, that sadistic side, ladies. He came out tonight at Royal We got Rumble. to see, yeah, Pentagon Jr. all-in Chris Jericho <laughs> was foreshadowed here. So I don't know why we didn't see it coming, but I did enjoy this match. It kind of it's fun to watch Royal Rumbles where like these guys are not in the Royal Rumble and this is kind of what are, are you like as a wrestler would you be upset if you're told like I know the Royal Rumble is not real but it's like are you hey we're not going to put you in the Rumble you're going to have some other match like a grudge match before it and like I remember when Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt had their match and neither one of them were in the Royal Rumble we caused a riot Oh my so, god ladies one year I picked Seth Rollins to win and he wasn't even in it Yeah he wasn't even in it 
Everyone should be in the fucking Royal Rumble. Instead, we got Michael Cole putting on his orange fucking onesie and going out there. No, you're right. Jericho should have been there. Jericho worked a unsanctioned match with Shawn Michaels, then a championship scramble. So that just proves anybody can do anything, ladies. And Jericho, uh, is it true that I, I haven't been keeping up on his career now? He puts teardrops on his eyes, right? And didn't he go to NJPW to wrestle Wong from Doctor Strange? Who's this fat guy that's their intercontinental champion over there? I don't know what he's doing. I know that Jericho versus Evil is starting to be the trend, Who? and every, that's starting to be the new thing. Um, I, I like what he's doing over there. I like that he's kind of uh, working with the box and with Cody. I, I like I like this new revolution that these guys are starting, and it's fun that Chris Jericho's kind of like, <laughs> I don't know, he's like the old man kind of tagging along. Like, because even when Cody was working with the Young Bucks, it was like the WWE guys, you know. I need to grab the two most popular indie guys I can find. Here they are. I got the Young Bucks. And then now Chris Jericho's like, I need to find the two most indie guys that I can find. Oh, it's the Young Bucks and it's Cody. And I'm way old. Like he even says on his podcast, like, I'm two generations older than you guys. And he kind of is in the wrestling business. But I like that they're working together and creating something awesome and new. I like watching that stuff. I mean, I obviously don't subscribe. Like, it's fun to hear Cody say, like, yeah, well, you subscribe to uh, New Japan World. You get Fight TV. You get this and you get this. It's like I have WWE Network and I can barely afford Hulu. So I'm not going to be spending all my money on all this other shit. Ladies, is Jericho fighting evil a guy or evil an idea? Because it, it sounds like it's when Vince McMahon beat God an idea. This is an inner struggle, it sounds like. And I can't wait to see what face paint it brings on to, to Jericho. I'll be following that on Instagram. Because I'm not watching any type of gook channel here in America. But, ladies, we leave this Jericho JBL war to find Santino backstage with ugly Ashley Mazzaro. And this storyline seems to be that Maria and Santino are fucking hot all the time. But Santino loves her tits. And he doesn't want anyone to see those tits. Because Ashley's like this whore around the locker room who has connects with the Playboy Mansion. And she's trying to get Maria to show her tits to the world on Playboy. And Santino doesn't want that. He's reacting like I would. Maria was his JMA. It should have been Santino coming back with Maria last year with that Mike and Maria storyline. She should have a picture with Santino's face on it, and so should I. I have one, Validius, but it's a medium, and I can't fit into it. I have two Santino shirts I, I bought at, as mediums at the time in 2013. Like, I have that Gee shirt in medium, and I have this blue ringer shirt of Santino with nunchucks on it in a medium. And I'm just saving them until I can fit into them. <laughs> oh, it's been a terrible 10 years no, with I'm these the same way. I got, like, extra large shirts. I'm, like, a solid 2X right now. And even those are starting to get a little snug on the shoulders. So it's like, well... <laughs> I, cut, I either cut the sleeves off or cut the collar. One of those two, I'm going to wear these shirts one day. Yeah, I got a better chance of posing for Playboy than fitting in this fucking shirt anytime soon. I got bigger tits than what's-her-name at the time, and they ain't squeezing into a medium. But I KFC today, for fuck's sake. <sighs> but it was so damn good. Anyway, so that's the storyline, Bleedies. This was a backstage segment. Let's wait to discuss it further because it happens like, again later. This makes its way to the ring. So let's just say now that we love Santino. We made a video called The Greatest Intercontinental Champion or something or The People's Worst Intercontinental Champion, whatever it was. And Santino got a lot of praise on that video. But Bleedies, then we have a match that I loved. 
Everything, again, at this time was a grand slam for me. Edge as world heavyweight champion with Vicky. Another thing I hated at the time. Vicky in the Edge, Vicky storyline. I despised this. I just kept thinking Vicky wouldn't fuck her. I mean, Edge wouldn't fuck her. (laughs) She's ugly. Meanwhile, this whole storyline is that she's ugly and Edge wouldn't fuck her. But he's using her for the... It's genius. In the way they kiss and make out. It's so creepy that this is happening. And I love it because it's the... It's such the obvious storyline to do because the whole time we ever saw Vicky on TV, we were thinking, why is Eddie fucking her? What's going on here? Is that his mom? That ain't his wife. So it's just probably been this backstage joke. And like, what if Edge fucked her? Oh, he probably would. But oh, oh, it's, if Eddie did, he would. So then it's next thing you know, that's the storyline. And when they kiss, it's so awesome and creepy. I love this match because Felitti's. You know I love Rey Mysterio. I'm a suck- I'm a sucker for this little midget. He could win like he could have every fucking belt and I would believe it somehow. I love him. Everyone thinks Rey Mysterio got weaker or less fast or less like acrobatic when he got older. I never felt that way. I felt like his the fatter he gets, his 619s got better somehow. He would just fl- glide and float through the air. His aerodynamic gut would just make him really sore. I love this little shit. So I'll watch Raymond Steele wrestle anyone. I loved this whole storyline and match, Validus. I, I really enjoyed it as well. And I even kind of, I remember liking Edge a little bit here too. And I like the crowd is really behind Edge. And it's strange to hear even back then where we're smarky internet guys. But I guess I'm the guy who was a huge Randy Orton fan too. Oh, please, so. it's New York. What are you talking about? This is, Leon Rush could go out there and they'd scream. By the way, does a snarky internet guys like Leon Rush? I know that's the long era, wrong era, but. You mean Leo Rush, like the new guy? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the guy. Never mind. <laughs> but yeah, please, this was New York at the time. Of course they're going to love Edge. I guess I always forget that, that New York is one of those towns because I think of it now, I don't see that happening. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was, it was a fun match. These guys can't have a bad match because every, even this one reminded me of the, the stuff they didn't know too. It reminded me of that elimination chamber they had in, in 2011 where I don't know why I was like, Rey Mysterio is about to fucking win the belt. And I already knew who won the match. I watched the, the chamber like two weeks after it happened. <laughs> and it was such a great match. And yeah, I really enjoyed looking back. I did enjoy the storyline with Vicky mm. and edge and then big show coming in eventually. Like all of it was so funny because we just, like you're saying, yeah, Edge would never do this. It just was like this creepy, this is Eddie's wife. Why are we even involving her in storylines? But that was the point, to get us to feel that way, to get heat. And yeah, we fucking hated Edge. Oh, we and and we hated like Vicky forever. I remember it was, you and I went to SummerSlam 2013. When we heard her, I think she was up at the pre-show booth or something. Like, you couldn't even hear her. Maybe she was on mic forget but the reaction she got the loudest reaction and every time you watch something from her tenure she always got the loudest reaction and i remember at the time feeling that when i would check in and out of wrestling getting so mad at her like you can't wrestle chance to john cena mad but twice as that to vicky like as mad as cena got us we hated vicky even more and vladies like i told you this was in new york this was in mysterio square garden which is which which announcer said this was it jerry lawler one of these motherfuckers called it that and that's what I'm going to call it from now on. Yeah, that'll, that's what it's forever known as. So an all-in two is at Mysterio Square Garden. He's going to be there. It's going to be an incredible show. And uh, I'm going to debut as a Phoenix, and I'm going to take my mask off and invite somebody to the cruise. Yeah, at Mysterio Square Garden, they have a really short entrance ramp to honor him. And ladies, how shitty is Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins? Fuck, <laughs> these guys come out. They're the edgeheads. And Zack Ryder is like... All right, Kurt Hawkins is too nervous. Zack Ryder isn't nervous enough. 
So Zack Ryder's out there making these wrestler faces that only Seth Rollins can rival in his early Shield days, like wrestler face to the max. And Kurt Hawkins looks like a basketball player in a commercial. He doesn't know where to put his hands. He's looking down. He doesn't want to make eye contact with anybody. And people are everywhere. It was just re- it was like Vince Russo's entrance watching him come out. And the other guy's connecting with everyone, ready to Bailey hug. I hated both of them, but I love Vicky and Edge. Yeah, I you know at this time I kind of I remember the Major Brothers. I remember the vanilla, just plain Kurt Hawk and Zack Ryder when they were Brett and Brian Major. I like teams that are brothers. It's easy to follow. They're easy to get behind. Steiner Brothers worked. Why not the Major Brothers? And I remember when they joined Edge, it was a little confusing because then it was like the very next week they're like Brett and Brian Major. That was just to get noticed. Their real names are Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. And I just remember him <laughs> saying those names and as like as smart wrestling fan, I just thought these are the dumbest sounding name. Like, hey, what's a cool wrestler name? How about Kurt Hawkins? I love it. Like, it was spelled <laughs> with a C because we already have a Kurt Angle with a K. Like, it just was. It just, and I know where he got the name. We've all heard Tacos Jericho or whatever that. What's the other one? At ENC's Pod of Awesomeness, where he describes that. Yeah, well, you know, Kurt Cobain and Taylor Hawkins from Foo Fighters. Like, I don't know. It was just like. I was really annoyed by those name choices. Oh, I didn't so know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's been annoying. I never heard that show. I only listened to Leon Rush's show. Uh, Leon Rush's show on SiriusXM Rush. So, yeah, I love Leo Rush. Why can't we be talking about modern wrestling right now? I want to talk about Leo Rush. All right, I'll hold it in. That's for the next yes. episode. We're next doing a doubleheader. Right. Ladies, I can wait 29 minutes to talk about Leo Rush, I promise. And <laughs> while we're talking about cool wrestler names, him and Bobby Lashley can trade names. And that's what we've been missing. He doesn't need a mouthpiece. He just literally needs the guy's name. And we're I, also... Yeah. Once we get there, but I, I think both those guys should have one name. They should just go back to one name for those guys. We should have Leo and Bobby. I would love that. <laughs> How about Mr. Leo and Mr. Bobby? Hey, work yeah. for Mr. Kennedy while we're talking about badass wrestler names. But, ladies, Mr. Mysterio couldn't beat Edge. But this performance really puts him in an elite view of him and himself, of, of the, the best Royal Rumble title challengers. He faced Undertaker that time for the title he faced edge for the title i don't even know what year he faced undertaker it could be 11 it could be 2004 i just know <laughs> we're gonna go and rewatch them all and figure it out but uh yes i there's something unique in a royal rumble title challenger of ladies kane right. does it every now and then it's a guy who's definitely not gonna win it but it needs to be a interesting as a rise above hate storyline to get us to wrestlemania can you believe that fucking kane john cena shit at royal rumble brought us the legendary rise above hate shirt we're still remaking that fucking shirt my favorite remake of that is the heartbreak kid one that i made the the big yeah. blue kid on the bottom ladies we gotta make a new red uh rise above hate uh shirt yeah rise above hate shirts were were the thing and yeah like i, I definitely with royal rumble title matches you kind of get the vibe at least i remember with t- to me wrestling brain it's the last pay-per-view where the title can change hands because i would always be annoyed when it's like if you lose your paper, your title at No Way Out or whatever the February pay-per-view is, you have a rematch clause normally. So there would always be those cases of, oh, well, I won the championship, but the cha- you know, when Rock beat Angle for that belt, Angle should have got a rematch. Nah, he's going to fight Benoit at WrestleMania. Like, it kind of doesn't make sense in wrestler world. Until, oh, it's WrestleMania. We'll figure it out later. Like, so to me, Royal Rumble is you can win the belt there, have the, the you know, like a, with, the, with The Rock. The Rock wins the belt at the Rumble against CM Punk. And then at Elimination Chamber, it beats Punk again. That way, Punk's rematch clause is gone. 
we're on to the next opponent, aka WrestleMania. So I like that. So no, I, that's your style. Okay, that's, me. that's, that's me. more that's, I, that's Southern style. I, I like that. I like that Northeast booking where the hero wins, the champion wins, which is most Royal Rumbles. Some bullshit motherfucker is gonna come in, even though the hero lost tonight. But the hero's <laughs> the champion's gonna keep his belt. You know why, ladies? Because what you said. Uh, we don't want anyone uh, losing it the next month. I don't even want anyone losing it in January. I want our champion to be known. And that's always why the Elimination Chamber placement bugged me. Because at the same time, when you have six guys in a match in a chamber, the champion better not win. Like, the odds are so against him, he better lose. But because it's right before the pay-per-view, oh, I also need the champion to win because I want a belt to change hands right before Mania. Very co complex. I'd like a chamber right after Mania, personally. And, ladies, don't try to force your Atlanta booking on a Yankee <laughs> like me, okay? Motherfucker. Motherfucker. Yeah, no, I definitely... I, I like the, the SummerSlam chamber. I thought that was a good way to get a mm. lot of guys on the card. And when they started doing two chambers in one night, I thought, shit, just have two chamber matches every SummerSlam. Don't always make it for the world and the WWE championship. Let's throw a U.S. championship in there. I love the idea of the tag team elimination chamber. I don't know why that was a one and done. We got to get more women in this chamber. I know that on uh, our favorite show, Something to Wrestle With, they talk about how an all-cage pay-per-view is stupid because uh, you, you build up to cage matches, pal. Uh, but to me, why not just do it all in one night like that? I would I love, love if we had eight elimination chambers. every Night of champions. Uh, it's all elimination chamber pay-per-views. We get 90 people on the card. Everyone's happy. Well, yeah, just have single matches in the chamber, just the same as when you had World War III. You got three rings for these matches. You got to use them all, everybody. You're only the cruiserweights would. I, I, I love lockdown. Every match should be in that fucking cage. Uh, it's there for a reason. And you can still build to it, but even matches without build are better build with, that aren't built for a cage are better in them, let's be honest. That's why Validia is when you watch like Scrubs or any sitcom and they have a mock wrestler character in like a flashback scene or in, the, in JD's head. They're always like, I'm going to get you in the cage, brother. It's always a Hulk Hogan slash Savage impression and a cage match is coming up because cage matches are fucking awesome. So ladies, we go backstage after Edge defends his title to see Mr. Kennedy and Ric Flair. Well, isn't it great? And Mr. Kennedy, is he the only guy who got way better in TNA as Mr. Anderson who took the added freedom of leaving WWE and really used it? Everyone else, everyone else was a Booker T of them former selves. Booker right. T is the perfect example of someone not giving a fuck in TNA compared to WWE if you hear any of his stories if anything if someone looks at him wrong he's leaving the building and you better rebook that main event because booker's a fucking diva but uh mr anderson better than mr kennedy right and what do you think of mr kennedy getting screwed by orton and how he got fired well and see even watching this with blonde haired kennedy i forgot about this guy you're right like in tna he seemed like a main eventer he was a main eventer he was legit and we cared about him a lot more now when he switched to tights i was completely out of it when, once he started putting skeletons and microphones and shit on his pants i wasn't into him anymore but in tna he was legit i really enjoyed him and yeah i wasn't i don't think i was watching when him and norton got mad at each other and Orton took the the backdrop and was furious. I don't remember that all like all too well, but I do think it's it ha there had to be more stuff with it because obviously they didn't have a ton of confidence in him. They put him in some big matches, but he also won a Money in the Bank that kind of got stripped away. He was always on the cusp, but I think it was just one of those deals where this guy's one ugly backdrop on our main guy away from getting no. fired, and then it happened. This company's a fucking bunch of liars, Fleeties. They hide behind their logo and their fucking.
stock price. They tried to say he was injured, which why would you cut someone for being injured? And you know what? You know what Mr. Kennedy did? Get that camera on me when I say look at what Mr. Kennedy did. He did this online with his wrists, showing he's not hurt. I don't remember. I just remember seeing that video and laughing. I put that on like four times when I saw it. Laughing so hard at Mr. Because, again, I didn't really understand what was going on. But Mr. Kennedy doing that was supposed to make a point. Sure. How dare they fire him? He can move his wrist fast. But I guess right. he was showing he wasn't injured and that, that that was a lie. And that he gave Orton the perfect backdrop and Orton lied about it being a bad one. Bring it up, ladies. He protected him all the way down. Orton was jealous. He's a legend killer, and he saw a legend in the making. Mr. Money in the Bank. Didn't Mr. Kennedy win this? Um, I loved Mr. Kennedy. It, I actually hated Mr. Kennedy. I couldn't even fake it. I'm like, where am I going with this? Mr. Kennedy was the worst. And that's I like, Yeah, I loved Mr. Anderson. Yes, I think yes. Kennedy's very forgettable. That's why Mr. Anderson was also means so much to me. I had a Mr. Anderson shirt, ladies. Guns don't kill people. (laughs) Mr. Anderson kills people. Or something like that. I don't know. But um, yes, Mr. Kennedy, I would have never been caught dead in one of those shirts. But it was interesting to see this. He interacts with Flair. Tells him he's going to retire and possibly, I don't know. And then HBK comes in and mocks him saying, oh, uh, dyed blonde hair. Some arrogance. Basically saying Ric Flair-isms that he ripped off. That'll never work. And then Shawn Michaels and Flair have a buddy buddy moment. So you've been you were watching live at the time, Valides. When this happened, you didn't know Shawn Michaels was going to face Ric Flair at WrestleMania. I did not, and no one they knew. Teased, they teased it here, and I still, I, I even watching that, I didn't even fucking care. I guess I, to me, I guess I was stupid and didn't really do like the long term booking or think how would they book this. Like I was just watching and going like. Just being surprised at every moment in turn. So, and I was, you know, I love that Flair retirement package. We're going to do a whole special just on that. So, like, I, I don't remember this bit, and I, I remember even Batista and Triple H and having a little Shield reunion, and then Sean. Like, it just, it was a lot of like that time period in one room, and a lot of it to me seemed not, I guess, forgettable. But the Ken- the Kennedy part made no sense to me. What? Why bring him in and tease that? Because he's an uh, asshole, ladies. He's some dickhead backstage lurking around, talking shit to Ric Flair on the night we love him more than ever, where he saved his career in the opening match. And also, he was in a towel. That was great. So we have, like, Triple H. Yeah, that was really awkward. <laughs> Everyone's, like, fully dressed, looking ready to go. And it's, like, half-naked old man is hanging out, like, oh, well, I won tonight, guys. Yeah, and all everyone referenced it. Batista's looking at his dick half the commercial. Triple H jokes, put pants on. Shawn Michaels hands him his shirt from WWE Shop. Put this on. They can't shut up about the naked old guy. Yet Ric Flair's like, oh, they keep teasing me for being naked. No, take a hint and put clothes on. But I, I didn't. You're right. There was a lot of this time period. Shawn Michaels' eye was there. Drax was there. I did enjoy this backstage segment. And we went from that into the... Uh, Maria Kiss Cam, ladies. You might remember Maria as Santino's JMA. They're together. <laughs> and, and Maria comes out to an awesome song. Sing it for us, ladies. How does it go? I can't. <laughs> Is this a, there she goes again? Like, <laughs> yeah, Scotty doesn't know. Love that yeah. fucking song. So she comes out to Scotty doesn't know. And she goes, everybody's the Kiss Cam. And these people in 2008 were doing some like insane tongue kissing every couple no one would just peck on the cheek or do a regular kiss uh the one lady did kiss her hand and like touch the guy's head as a joke but anyone who kissed 
didn't know how to kiss. It, it was like me kissing. I don't know how to kiss. <laughs> JMA and I kissing looked like, me kissing. looked like these couples. Oh, but how strange was this kiss cam? Is, has there ever been a kiss cam that isn't like this? They're all awkward. Well, especially this one. Like on TV, it's awkward. At a baseball game, when you're not hearing the commentators, kind of, it's just dead air. There's not a lot of sound. Like when you're at a, a when you're at the event and you can hear like all the people around you going like, oh, I think oh, like and then everyone makes a joke like they're brother and sister. You know, like there's always that kind of stuff. But you have to be there for that. So when you're watching a pay per view that we probably spent forty dollars on or uh, used our black box, whenever we were, you know, it just was. It was awkward and very skippable. So when I, even when I was watching this, I was looking for a way out. How do we get out of this room? I don't remember this kiss cam. I don't remember like uh, I I was kind of reading like, hey, yeah, the colleague kiss cam. I don't remember that. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of kiss cams in wrestling that I just blow uh, blow right past. And this happens. This is a point that really gets uh, comes up later with Michael Buffer. Spoiler: Michael Buffer does the Royal yeah. Rumble announcing, and while he's talking, they're doing these slow fades of the crowd, right? And I'm just thinking, wow, like 2008 was so ugly. And I know we didn't have HD until this pay per view. Maybe we didn't know how to dress going there. But 2008 had a lot of freckles and like bowl cuts and like it was just, was grunge still around? Were there bike chains and coming out of pockets? How does 2008 look like 93? It's so weird. How you don't go back that far, and it looks like you went back decades. But very ugly time. So maybe the worst possible kiss cam period. We did go uh, a decade back. This was 10 years ago. So when you see the way, I don't know, I guess because phones weren't where they are now. People just weren't what we are now. So it's, <laughs> when you're seeing them in that time, like watch an old Fear Factor from like 01. It's always like, why are they all wearing these big ass cargo pants? But it's like, oh yeah, Fred Durst wore gigantic ass cargo pants. Everybody wore them. I had some. So uh, it's it, whatever everyone was doing. So I don't know who was popular in 2008, but they were definitely in this New York crowd. You can see them everywhere. And Vladis, uh, we this was the one segment I was thinking I might despise because even 2008 couldn't save this kiss cam. Wait a can because Santino was about to come out. My favorite. Oh, I love Santino. But not until Ashley comes out, tries to get Marie to agree to go to Playboy. And Santino struts out so mad. Oh, do not do this. These people are animals. And it all ends with, I, I love how they teased it. Maria looking to the crowd. Should I do Playboy? Crowd going crazy. Uh, yeah. And then it ends with, is this Brian Gewertz? Who's the fat writer? Someone comes out in a Patriots thong, and it's that guy who goes does it on ECW a lot, I think, later or before. Uh, doesn't he? Oh, he has a silly name, right? But I Isn't that like Big Dick Johnson? Yes, I wanted to say a big dick, but I felt like that was more of a Dudley Boys reference. It is that, though. But I love yeah. this one. He had the Patriots logo on a shirt. He was in a thong. I mean, he's not as funny as Santino. Santino made me laugh enough. This didn't really make me laugh much. But go Patriots and Yankees suck, Vleeties. I, I definitely enjoyed this. Uh, say, I don't know. So you said you don't like Ashley. You said she's ugly. She's so disgusting. Sing her song, too. It was the worst. There she goes again. No, yeah. no she, her, her theme song was pretty terrible. Uh, I remember she was kind of just there because she was hot. She won like a diva search or something. If you go on her Instagram, I think you're going to be on my side for this. She's definitely hot. Uh, and so I, Oh, if I go on her Instagram, JMA will have a fight with me. I can't be on your side while I'm with JMS. She hates that I'm even saying Ashley Mazzaro's name out loud. So let me make oh. it clear, Jessica. Ashley's so ugly. Ladies, Ashley Mazar was disgusting and hideous. That's the word I was going to use. She was looking, like to steal some more phrases, she was looking roll tide. I was all in on Ashley Mazar with this pay-per-view. 
Uh, and even Maria, because I, I remember when Maria was a big hit, I didn't really see it. What? But now that I've seen, like, yeah, I didn't. I Cover your ears, Jessica. Maria's top five divas of all time. We're talking Tori Wilson level. Maria's face is so pretty. And I don't know if she has leaks with that Mike guy from last year, 48 pictures and folder two. I don't know, Valides, but you might want to go on her, on my Instagram, my quote unquote Maria Instagram. And then you'll agree with me on this. But I'd rather fight Mike Adamley than Ashley Mazzaro. And Mike Adamley's on screen. He said Jeff Hardy's name correctly twice in a row. So I don't and know. Then you almost like want to cheer, like Jeff Hardy, yeah. <laughs> well, he wanted to. The way he said it was like I Hardy. He was really pronouncing it. This must have been the day after the Jeff Harvey incident. But Mike Adamley brings us into, excuse me, Mike at Avonley. Mike Adamley brings us into an Orton versus Jeff Hardy hype up video that I'll never forget. This is the WWE champion versus the Intercontinental Champion. First time ever at Royal Rumble. Title versus title. And in the words of Jim Ross, if Randy Orton is the legend killer, then that man, Jeff Hardy, is the legend thriller. <laughs> Great one. So oh, then awesome. the Jeff Hardy goes into the thriller dance right on cue. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> but Orton came up with, hey, nothing you can say. The fucking best theme ever, but looking like the Viper. Looking like right. super skinny. I love super lean Randy Orton, and I need his workout from 2008. I got to know how, 2007 rather, because this is January 2008. I want to know his workout in the winter of 07, because I need to look like <laughs> fucking the Viper. I want the Viper workout plan. I want Viper yoga. Fuck DDP yoga. <laughs> no, he looked incredible, and I remember even when Jeff Hardy's walking out, I even thought like, this is the best Jeff Hardy that we ever had. He comes out looking great. Everyone's behind him. He has the IC belt. So he's still like this. He's the mid Carter underdog that we want to get behind and we want to cheer. And I remember the, uh, the rooftops uh, music video they put together for him. I think I was a huge Jeff Hardy fan as well. And we all wanted him to be in this spot. However, it was against my man, Randy Orton. So I was ready for it to squash him. And I think this was a great match. It showed both of them kind of, they were both in their characters perfectly, told a great story. Uh, what'd you think of this, uh, this little program that we had? Oh, they could have done anything. I would have loved it. I, 2008, yeah. believe you, is what I think of it. It's perfect. Thank perfect. HD gave it the perfect time. And it's so strange. I feel like I was so unfair to wrestling. And this is how all you kids are going to feel about now, all the way back to the summer of punk. You don't know how good you fucking have it. Everyone walks around like wrestling sucks. Wait till it's 2028 and we're watching the fucking second draft again. Oh, man. And then we're watching the Vleeties and I draft video. What? Kevin took fucking Bray Wyatt first? What the fuck? And did you hear Bruce Pritchard say his favorite heel right now is of the whole last however many years is Bray Wyatt? So I, I have a great mind for the business, Vleeties. Bray Wyatt was my favorite wrestler for years in a row, like Bailey was. And now I like him about as much as I like Bailey now. They need Bray Wyatt to have one of those never been kissed storylines. They're gonna have Bailey make out with Corey Graves. Bray Wyatt can do that. Let's not throw this on the cutting room floor so quickly. But ladies, I loved Orton Jeff Hardy. And I uh I think either one of these guys could have retired Ric Flair as well. So what did you think of it? No, it was a great match. I, I definitely liked the way it ended. I thought it was cool to see the RKO out of nowhere. Uh, and yeah, this was before it was like gimmicky was all oh, RKO out of nowhere. It became a hashtag and was, was YouTube videos made of this shit. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, to watch Orton get a clean win too at a big show like this kind of got me really excited for where he was going as champion. 
uh, and we'll find out where he goes in the coming and, weeks. And I did like the Matt Hardy stuff because this really sums up Matt Hardy until two years ago where he was the brother of Jeff Hardy you beat up. He was like, Jeff Hardy doesn't have a girlfriend we can kidnap for a storyline, so let's beat up his brother. <laughs> People know who he is. Matt Hardy's whole role was to film Jeff Hardy dirt biking and breaking his leg. Like, Jeff Hardy was doing cool shit, breaking his leg dirt biking, breaking his leg wrestling. Matt Hardy was filming it or cheering it on or getting t- or punted by Orton. So I like this hype up. I like the execution, the RKO out of nowhere beautiful and we go from that into the great michael buffer ladies god do these these kids today even know how important michael buffer was i feel like a lot of people don't understand even today when you watch boxing if he if he strolls out you lose your mind he's like he's a bigger draw than boxers at this point everybody likes michael buffer and they love him so much and they hate bruce and they're showing the crowd showing these ugly people and i think a big problem with 2008 is no one was shaving their head Hey, let's face it. A shaved head could have fixed most of these skateboard punk looking people. Like literally, it was my brother in 1995. He was 13 skateboarding with baggy pants on. And these kids did not. They didn't figure out hair. And that's what all of 08 looked like. Ladies, we needed a few hair matches in this crowd. Then a kiss cam. Oh, well, I just Googled, like, Michael Buffer, and then it says here he was in the movie You Don't Mess With the Zohan, <laughs> and that came out in 2008. So I think I know where we were at in 2008. Zohan had crazy hair. It was a movie about him cutting hair, but he would do ridiculous styles. It was a terrible movie, but I saw it in Don't theaters. say styles, Vleeties, because Joey Styles did commentary on this Royal Rumble, and it was fucking terrible. It jo- was, wasn't it? It was, it was very hard to listen what to. What an amateur. This guy had to work alone. They act like he's so great because he called it by himself no no one can have chemistry with this idiot he's he's an overwhelmingly thin boy it's an overwhelming presence but a thin little voice he has you gotta turn it up louder than everyone else it seems like i hated everything joey Styles said i hated how he sounded i hate how he looks he shouldn't be there I mean, it was he worked on camcorder wrestling and maybe NJPW yeah, could use him today. Maybe five dollar wrestling with Cole Cabana could use a little Joey Styles intermission. But uh, nothing on a WWE network should have this guy. Nothing in HD, ladies. The HD era does not need Joey Styles. I hated that. But ladies, after Michael Buffer starts announcing this Royal Rumble, we hear the dong. And how about that pop? The, what a reaction. And it was like this weird epiphany I had when I heard The Undertaker. I loved The Undertaker. This was, that wasn't the epiphany, but <laughs> this, this is TWFS. The whole purpose of it since it, it debuted, what, seven years ago, six years ago? It's been me soul-searching into figuring out I'm the biggest Undertaker fan and thought I hated him. I loved <laughs> The Undertaker. And I popped with this crowd. I really feel like 2008 Undertaker is the most underappreciated Undertaker. He's in the best shape of his whole career. And I thought he was going to go come out number one and win it. Because like I told you, I didn't know who wins this. I thought when it started with Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, I thought they were going to be the last two. Because I remember one year, it might be 07. Don't spoil it. We'll watch it. One year it ends with them two having the best match ever. Oh, and of course, Shawn Michaels doesn't win that Rumble, and it's and I hated it. Now I would love it. God, the role <laughs> reversal of Undertaker Shawn Michaels in my life. But I love that it started with these two, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. I love how they were just eliminating guys. Santino was number three. My fa- that's brilliant. My three favorites of all time in the ring. Um, but ladies, my point I was going to make about the dong and the huge pop is I realized what, what I realized that that like 
wrestling is a miracle that they pulled this off, this circus. The fact that they can have this fake fighting thing where they play this funeral music and people love funeral music and, and pop for it. The, yes, the dead man that isn't dead at all. He's a diker, biker douchebag no one would <laughs> like. No one would like The Undertaker in real life. He should have Goldberg's barbed wire tattooed on his fucking arm. He has a teardrop tattoo, so I'm acting like he's cool. But we somehow get people to show up 30,000 at a time to fill these arenas. And you know what it is? This was the epiphany. You know what it is, Felides? It's because it's the over the t- and this isn't anything new. We always knew it. I just it's the over the top grandiosity of it. Meaning, the more Ring of Honor you get, the more NJPW you get, the more like sports you try to make it the less successful it's going to be, the shittier it's going to get. Like, it's going to be terrible. But when you have a zombie come out, oh, it's awesome. <laughs> Dong. The people's elbow rules. Like, the stupidest shit is why wrestling is awesome and why it means so much to us. And it's weird that my complex Undertaker, Undertaker emotions are almost taking me back to square one, where I knew it the whole time. But it takes this character and falling in love with it for the first time to really get it. Oh, ladies, how perfect was this Undertaker Shawn Michaels start? Well, you definitely are. You've been an Undertaker mark for as long as I can remember. Because we've even made videos where you're like, the greatest WrestleMania match storyline ever is Undertaker versus Kane. And you always talk shit about Undertaker, Undertaker, Undertaker. But you love that storyline yeah, so best, much. Yeah, it's the best, that's This is Kane is such an integral part of me masking my love for The Undertaker. I right. tricked myself into thinking I hated The Undertaker, but I loved Kane. Meanwhile, he had all the same moves. He was The Undertaker, but just did faster tombstones and looked scarier. And God, I despise The Undertaker, Vlades. But I, ha- I once went to a WWE event with a long sleeve shirt off and cut off the other sleeve to be like Kane. <laughs> and uh, yes, I did this. You had to be Kane. I, I had a Kane fucking sign, and I stood up on the chair at the Worcester fucking Palladium. What, not the play. That's where I saw Newfound Glory. At the Worcester. At the, that sounds tiny. At the Songus Arena in Lowell, I held up my Kane sign, <laughs> and Kane stared at me for thirty seconds, and it, I was so scared. I almost sat down. I locked eyes with Kane, and get that camera on me when I say I locked eyes with Kane. I locked eyes with Kane, and it was horrifying. I held the sign up. So really, I feel like I just loved The Undertaker the whole time, but I used Kane to vent it or something, and I hid the emotions. Something, I think Jim didn't like The Undertaker. I don't, I don't know what it was. My older brother didn't like him, so I, had to think, I felt like I couldn't, but I'm over that now. I'm 32, thir- turning 33. My third child is in the love of my life's belly, and I finally can admit, I love Mark Calloway. <laughs> Mark Calloway, a great man. Glenn <laughs> Jacobs is a mayor. Like, and like you're saying, with the WWE, we can have these characters. And if you're a great character, like Undertaker and Kane, nobody couldn't like you look at ROH and all these other companies where you have to be real. Everybody needs to be real. But if you're a great character and, and you and it makes sense and it works, we want that. We want Undertaker. If he was mean Mark Callis coming out here with his undies and his chaps, I don't think we would have been on board as much as we are with this guy. The Undertaker works, and like you said, in this beginning, when you hear the music of The Undertaker and you're like, who's number two, who's number two, who's number two, and then it's Shawn Michaels, like, you know, these are arguably one and two of all time, so when they're coming out, starting this thing off, and like I said, like last time we talked, this is 2008, and we got two guys from like 90, you know, these guys fought at Royal Rumble 98, 
And here we are 10 years later. They're still, in my opinion, on the top of their game. Oh. Undertaker even more so. Yeah, he's mid-40s so. is the best. Way more so. And he's older, right? Is He He can't be older. He retired Shawn Michaels. I don't know. But I, I, can't, I can't believe how good he is in 08. I, I want to go back and watch whatever fucking brand he's on at that time. I assume there's some sort of brand split. I want to draft him. I want to go back in time and draft him. Because he was amazing at Unforgiven. He actually gets better in better shape by September. So this this is his best year, and I thought he was going to win this Rumble and go beat Edge at WrestleMania. I know that happens at some point, so I just assumed this was the one. So as I watched, I began to really think, I never knew The Undertaker came in at number one and won. God, no one talks about this, and it's the greatest thing I ever saw. Then Tommy Dreamer comes out, Fleeties, and... Let me tell you, everybody, I keep saying 2008 is way better than I thought. Everyone looks better than I thought. Tommy Dreamer is the one guy who looks as bad as I remember. <laughs> he's a fat ass. Fuck Tommy Dreamer. Even when he's in shape, he looks like the worst ever. His face sucks. When he talks, he sucks. On YouTube, he's interviewing somebody. I forget, like a diva. He does like shoot interviews. And he's terrible. Oh, I imagine he'd be a good agent because you never have to see him. His ideas are translated by performers. <laughs> but see him. This guy comes out with a tucked-in shirt with Jim Cornette's gut. It's the grossest thing I ever saw. Like, and Cornette will look that way on old like videotapes of like wrestling cons from the mid-90s with a fanny pack on with pink shorts and a pink shirt, and he's fat as fuck, and it's all so tight. And it's like, I guess that's a southern thing. What the fuck is Tommy Dreamer's excuse? He looks you disgusting. Know, well, he, and he does, but here's the problem. I love it. I love Tommy <laughs> Dreamer in this era. I like the out of shape ECW legend because he felt more hardcore as this guy. This guy who he's out of shape. He's just getting like like Sandman is perfect because mm. he's got a beer gut and like a little chicken arm. Like, yeah, chicken arms. I know chickens don't have arms, but he's got them. He just looks terrible. So that's why he needs a kendo stick and barbed wire to kick people's ass. You're forgetting one key thing. Not the beer, not the kendo stick, not the barbed wire. The PJ pants is what made Sandman. And maybe <laughs> yeah. if Tommy He's Dreamer. His Zumba's out there. Like <laughs> Dreamer, Dreamer didn't look like an ECW guy. That's why they booed him. He looked like he can be in developmental WWF. So when he comes out as like this chubby guy with trash cans and shit, I love this Tommy Dreamer. I wanted him to beat Davari so bad at December to December 2006. And Vladis, what's an illegitimate son? Because Hornswoggle comes out, and he's Vince McMahon's illegitimate son, and I remember this. So does this mean Vince McMahon fucked someone and had the kid and ignored it? Or does it mean the woman said he's the dad and it's not proven yet? What is illegitimate? It really, It's one of those old-school terms where Vince and the mom are not married. So it's <laughs> illegitimate. It's just not legit anymore. What? That the only way to be legit is if you are married and have the kid. Isn't illegitimate. That every kid now. This whole generation is illegitimate, and it's my fault because I'm a boomer, ladies. And I was born in 1986, but I'm a boomer. But you're uh, a boomer, yeah. yeah. Jess always tries to fight with me about generations. She doesn't know that her mom is a boomer too. She, she thinks even her mom is Gen X. I try to tell her my brother Jim's Gen X, and she says he's a millennium. Don't get me started. But now that I know what an illegitimate son is, wow, it sounds way worse than what it is. It because I almost thought does illegitimate son mean he's a midget? Like maybe if you give birth to a retard like Tyrion or Hornswoggle, they're illegitimate automatically but i'm glad that yes it's just a bunch of syllables that means they aren't married and then chuck palumbo came out I explain this to me this was mind-boggling chuck palumbo fucked up spots with everyone in the ring he touched his timing was so off but here's what fucked with me he had a bandana on his head and then he had a bandana in his pocket 
same design. <laughs> and then he had gloves on with text on them that matched the bandana on his head and the bandana in his pocket. It's like he went and drew up this fucking outfit that was going to get himself over. It's like, oh, this bandana is so cool. I need two of them. And so when one falls off, I just pull out another one. I thought he was going to have a Mr. Sokka with that bandana and use it as a finisher. He loved it so much. And the gloves, he had these Sting slash AJ Styles gloves with text on them. This in these maroon jeans. What was this Palumbo? Is this before or after he fucked Billy Gunn? This was after the Billy Gunn fucking. So apparently after he had his uh, fake homosexual marriage thing that uh, they told, I, I heard on something to wrestle with that it was supposed, they had like a, an equal rights person who was all in favor of it was going to help them out and push, you know, and then once they switched the storylines, they were pissed. But Chuck Palumbo was getting repackaged as a guy who owned a motorcycle shop. <laughs> so, yeah, but much like we have guys who are in, you know, Indian tribes like our man Tatanka, we have guys that own, like, we have ballroom dancers like Fandango. Chuck Palumbo owned a motorcycle shop. That's why he drove a different bike to the ring. That's uh -huh. why he had the gloves on. Because, Right after you're done working on your bike, you got to go wrestle some guys. And apparently he was in a big feud with Jamie Noble, which. Uh, well, no, man, ladies, we Chuck Palumbo pimped Jamie Noble's ride. And, and but he fucking let the air out of his tire or something. Oh, it was crazy. He fucked up the electrical. It lit on fire on the highway. So this is the best storyline ever. And God, it's great to see Jamie Noble before the Seth Rollins minion phase. It, that really brought Jamie Noble's name back. I, I think he'll be remembered as that corporate Kane friend. That because like, I evil Seth Rollins with Triple H. That's another thing I'm we're gonna look back on way better than it was at the time. And I, it may be because my family left me a month before but i hated that seth rollins i hated that time period but now as we say jamie noble's name i kind of miss it and and another guy i missed that i never realized and i hated at the time this is the trend uh umaga how awesome is umaga i at the time they used to say he was big and i he didn't look that big to me like cena would give him an fu and fall forward like he was heavy but come on umaga's like ray mysterio's height but umaga the savage beast he played it way too believable because he's not like that in real life, right? I can't tell. And he had that Estrada guy for a while. Umaga, again, at the time, no respect from me. The best Umaga memory up until me rewatching this was when, like, I think Santino won a belt when Umaga had something to do with it. I don't, was, did Santino <laughs> debut with Umaga in the ring? Yeah, he rolled up Umaga for the win. <laughs> he, you know, he came from Italy, and he was uh, he had a real thick Italian accent. Yeah, he pinned Umaga. He had two of them? He got two, two of them, of ladies? Them. Fuck, he's a walk, bro. Yeah, I love Santino. And I love Umaga. It was great to see him. Uh, CM Punk, great reaction. And it's great to see the the bulked up CM Punk you hear like right, talk yeah, about. I, put, I was like a tubby 240. Yeah, I, I never I really got to see that since hearing him and Colt talk about it. So Fat Punk comes out. Crowd, that was a bigger pop than the Undertaker dong, perhaps. Very big reaction that I was surprised by. But like you said earlier, it's Mysterio Square Garden. It's New York. And you need to expect that. Uh, big disappointment for me in this Rumble was Cody Rhodes. Uh, Undertaker gave him a lot. You saw him go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Undertaker and win with a dropkick, Maven style. So that was great. But Cody Rhodes did too much reaching during his selling and too much head nodding. Like, oh, I'm not going to give up. Like, very amateur Cody Rhodes. Um, he even had some shin pads on. I like to have a bare-legged Cody before I start paying attention. Maybe even a Claire mask. But those were the highlights of all the people that I saw. Did anyone else pop out like a surprise entrant or a spot? I know John Cena's return was the 
crucial part of this rumble. And once he came out, Disney show off his scar, I kind of fell asleep. But once he was in the ring, I knew he was going to win. I remembered all of a sudden. But I even look back at that more fondly than at the time. Cena looked great. Triple H even looked great. And I hate him. Everyone looked amazing except Tommy Dreamer. Well, and I was upset. With, I guess at the time, the Snooka Piper thing was mm. great. But it really, if we could talk about exposing the fucking business, how about everybody selling these punches from Snuka? He like looks like he's about to like throw up every swing. So I'm watching like CM Punk run up and like do a big wind up punch. Snuka kind of slowly blocks it and then hits him with like a chop and Punk falls down like he just got fucking hit by like a Singapore cane to the throat. So I remember that not really digging that spot. I'm glad Kane got rid of him. And yeah, this was a great Royal Rumble. But yeah, kind of like you said, when Cena came out at 30, it, I mean, watching it now, it, it's super obvious. I remember when it happened, I was flipping out like, John Cena's back. They said he was going to be gone for a year. And now he's back showing off the scar. He's tossing dudes out of the ring. And yeah, it was a, it was a great it, I, it was a great finish to the night. Where it goes next gets a little iffy for me. So yeah, we'll, we'll get into oh, that later. But yeah. Oh, you're teasing it. What, does Matt Hardy have a match next time? Don't tell me. It's <laughs> great because I... Going in this Rumble with the start, I thought it would be one and two winning it, like with Shawn Michaels' Undertaker, but it comes down to 29 and 30. So that was a very interesting juxtaposition, if I could throw a word out there, please, <laughs> that I'm a pretty big fan of. They didn't even have that word in 2008, so just throwing that out from the new edition of the website. Just started. Bro. Yeah, bro, I got two of them. I don't know, I just like that phrase. It sounds walk like. But, uh, ladies, I loved this fucking Royal Rumble. Now, you bring up Snuka and Piper. That was during the start of my nap. I didn't even roll over to see Snuka. I heard heard it all happening it's it was a great radio show so i'm really sad the visual wasn't as good sometimes wrestling as grandiose and as great as it is with big stages and fireworks is better just as an audio form take a drive with raw on your car speakers and how good it, you'll be shocked at how awesome it is because when your imagination is putting together what michael cole's telling you it's way better than how a stomp punch looks or how an actual wrestling match looks uh but to, 2008 rumble ladies i loved going back to this year again with you we're doing it all in a row so next is no way out with my elimination chamber the infamous jeff hardy electric chair logo is this new no way out i believe so i can't wait to see what's going to happen at this pay-per-view there's going to be some sort of rko out of nowhere on somebody someone else is going to get punted jericho is going to take one more step towards evil i hope does jericho face uh piper and snook at this mania is that this year not this one. Jericho's still a good guy, so he's not yet doing creepy, burper uh, tone Jericho. Spoiler, you shouldn't have answered me. Like, oh, come on. Me. I'm tricking you. That was a test. All right, so I can't wait to see what happens. And, and it's weird that we started with 08, not 98, so we might do that next. But after Unforgiven 08, we couldn't not see this Royal Rumble, and it doesn't disappoint at all. I can't believe Adam Lee's there a full nine months. So I, we're going to look forward to seeing Isn't that him. that weird? Yeah, I kind of forgot the whole year was Mike Adam Lee. We're going to look forward to seeing him seven more times. But, ladies, we're doing a double header tonight. So we're about to play a song, but when it's over, we're going to start again because we got to talk about Super Show, Crown Jewel, Raw. Tell me what happened on SmackDown. going to be a lot <laughs> of fun things to talk about. So, ladies, I'm Kevin Scampoli. I'm the son, and I'm the guy you fucked, and I'm the guy you fucked over. The website is Kevin scampoli.com ladies i am live three times a week sometimes four because i do twfs twice with you double headers on thursday uh also i do war with ricardio on saturday that's the three sometimes i'll do a smackdown's third hour on tuesday sometimes it's four uh the last eight episodes are always 
free on iTunes as well. Search the whole effing show. You'll find the iTunes feed. It's on Stitcher. It's on Podcast Addict, ladies. Google Podcast. It's even on Google. Google it. I got 10 pages. So, <laughs> but it's also on KevinScampoli.com. Last eight episodes are always free if you ever want the full archive or video like this on YouTube for all the episodes. $5 a month gets you the locker room. KevinScampoli.com is the site. And Vladies, like I said, we're about to do a second episode, and I love being joined every week by the man himself. I am Ryan Van Vliet. Second episode coming your way, because until the day that we die. We are. We are. We are. The whole fucking show. Ladies, I'll play a song in case you want to go potty, okay? Potty water. It's intermission. What in the world are you thinking of? Sticking little smokies in your butt. Why on earth is Max's hair blue? I actually dyed it blue. Yeah, blue. It's a bleedy's hair, folks. Jackass Kevin's gonna fuck you. Gonna put hot sauce in his face. Oh, it's in my fucking head! How the fuck's he gonna top that? It's in my head! He better grab some mace. Oh, my God, I'm so jealous! How in the world are you gonna see? <laughs> Let alone send out a tweet. Oh, no. Oh, no. Who in the hell do you think you I are? Some kind of star. This is what he does. Well, me. right, you are. Well, we all shine. He's not the moon, not the star, but the sun. Well, we all shine. Scamp, holy, 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 holy. Look at look at T. And I'll ask our yeah. first lady. I, I got a eight-year-old kid, and my eight-year-old kid sees Hall of Fame, and my eight-year-old kid goes on the uh, internet to to look at. Uh, oh, it's China. I, I never heard of her. I'm eight years old. I've never heard of that. So I go type that in, and I punch it up, and what comes up? And that's I'm not. It's not a morality thing or anything else. It is just the fact of what it is. That's a difficult choice. Right. The Hall of Fame is a funny thing.
Fame and my eight-year-old kid goes on the uh, internet to to look at uh, oh it's China I, I never heard of her I'm eight years old I've never heard of that so I go type that in and I punch it up and what comes up and that's I'm not it's not a morality thing or anything else it is just the fact of what it is that's a difficult choice right the Hall of Fame is a funny thing 